and welcome to the Potshot Podcast, an Arsenal podcast for nerds. I'm Alex Towles. And I'm Alex Collings. And this week we are joined by Kieran. Hello, how you doing? Kieran can be found on the old Twitter at X-C-I-A-R-A-N underscore because he spells Kieran weirdly. Yeah, it wasn't really my choice, but... But I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> well, you could have changed it. No one would have That's stopped true. you. That is true. <laughs> uh, this week, we are going to have a brief look back at the Leeds game before discussing the Europa League, because we haven't really discussed the Europa League at all. And after 10 weeks of Premier League action, with us, I think, having our best ever start, nine wins and a loss, 27 points from 30th, is that our best Premier League start? Yeah, it's our best now. Lovely stuff. We're going to discuss that and the fact that that is a pretty good thing. Uh, of course, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do. I've been bad at saying subscribe to the podcast at the start of the podcast, so I'm saying it now. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do that at wherever you're currently listening to the podcast, because congratulations, you have found the podcast and are listening to it, so you can probably subscribe wherever you are. Now, there is... A pretty big disclaimer to make about uh, the way we're going to talk about this Leeds game. And that is that I haven't watched it. Uh, yeah, we're recording this on Monday. And due to my work schedule, I was at work during the game. And I haven't been able to catch a replay since. Because the replay came out while I was at work. And then immediately we got to record the podcast. So that's that's the way that life has done me in this week. But you know what I have done? I have sure been on Twitter in that time. So I have collated the range of Arsenal Twitter opinions on the Leeds game, and I want to know if Alex and Kieran think that Twitter is chatting shit, which it normally is, or if they've actually got a little nugget of truth to what they've been saying. I am going to give you a statement about the Leeds game, and I want you to tell me if you think that statement's right or not, and then tell me why. So, Alex, I've heard a lot of murmurings that this was the worst Arsenal performance of the season. Do you think that's true? I do probably would say it is... Uh, let me start again. I would probably say that it's our worst performance of the season, uh, for sure. I think the first half was okay. Second half, we got mauled, like, basically the whole half. Uh, we really struggled to kind of get anything going, um, get any control of the game. So yeah, I'd say it's our worst performance. I think we've had some, as we'll get on to later, maybe less than stellar-like performances in, in the Premier League so far. Um, yeah, I think it, I think there's some reasons for it that we can get into, but yeah. Kieran, do you think it's been our worst? That was our worst performance? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite simple to say, really. I mean, you look at the games that we've played, um, and I think Leeds was, at least for me objectively, just the worst we've played, at least in the league, definitely. Um First half, yeah, we we were okay, we were fine. Um, second half was just a real scrape, which which does have its has its positives, um, but I, I don't think I, I don't want to become too biased and just say everything is a positive. There's still negatives to take from it, which was we played poorly. It's obviously nice to get the result and say that we showed resilience, but we still played poorly, and you'd rather not. But so definitely our worst performance. Yeah, and you did, as you mentioned, we did win, even though we weren't so great according to you guys i wouldn't know i haven't watched the game uh so and a lot of the twitter discussion of the fact that we won was around the always good podcast discussion topic of the refereeing decisions made during the game uh a lot of people felt that we weren't to coin a phrase uh pure varsinal during that match, uh, and we got very lucky with some of the refereeing decisions that were made. Uh, so, do you guys think that was a fair comment? I don't think the um, I don't think the referee was was for us or against us. Really, I think I think overall it was just a pre. To to be clear, we are not implying any bias in PGMOL here. We are just saying we may have got a bit lucky. Of course, I think I think the main point that everyone's been talking about was kind of that last. Um, it was the offside and it was also the, the final goal, that's the, the penalty, sorry, um, that, that got overturned from Bamford and Gabriel, the red card. And I think I'll, I'll just talk about the Gabriel and Bamford thing. I think at least for me, and I don't think it's even that silly to argue this, I think it's just quite simple. 
it wasn't a penalty. Bamford simply ran into Gabriel and knocked him over. However, I would probably say that Gabriel could have got sent off for that because he did lash out and stick his leg out. And maybe some Arsenal fans would disagree. I think it was a bit rash what he did after, and I think he could have got sent off for that. But I don't think it was a penalty at the same time. I know that's that doesn't really make sense in that context, but I mean, the actual, what was would have caused the penalty, which is Bamford falling over into Gabriel, wasn't a penalty. However, Gabriel could have got sent off after for lashing out and lifting his leg up. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think... I don't really like speaking about, like, refereeing decisions and stuff. It's not an interesting point of analysis, and it always comes down to, like, some sort of biases. But I don't think the ref... I don't think we did really get lucky. I mean, even for the first penalty, I did not notice this at the time. But their right-back, Christensen, was offside in the build-up. Bamford kind of almost shoulder-charged into the back of... Gabriel not necessarily trying to foul Gabriel, just trying to get on the end of the ball. Also, like, in two minds about whether it was a red card offence for Gabriel, because I do kind of think, like, maybe he was kicking out, but, like, I'm not really sure how that works. Then maybe he should have been sent off, but it was not a penalty. So, so yeah, that's pretty much my answer. I think we were lucky. I think we were lucky to win, but I don't think the ref was why we were lucky. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree with that. Like, were, we, were we bad? Yes. Probably. Were we lucky with the refereeing decisions? No. Probably. Uh, the third, third thing that I've seen a lot of talk about is a lot. A couple of the guys were saying that we really struggled with Leeds as high press, uh, and the press in particular is something that we discussed last week when we had John on. Uh, we talked about potential ways that we might be able to play through that press. Uh, is it fair to say that we struggled or we couldn't? get past Leeds' press, or is that not a fair assessment of the game? I think we managed to play through, like, almost like the first phase of the press, I think we managed to play through. So what we did do is, I thought we I thought we might last week, and we did try play through, um, play it short through a lot of the times. I think we did well, kind of getting through that first line, but then basically the second line of Leeds' press, we really struggled to kind of, maybe if we needed to recycle or reset the play, we struggled. Um... And I think that's kind of where we got caught out a lot of the times. I think it wasn't as exposed the first half, but it was still there. And then the second half, they were just we were getting pinned in for most of the game, most of the second half. So, so yeah, I would say we struggled with their press. I think we did some nice things, and I guess it comes down to this also like this being our worst um, performance. Everything looked just a little bit sluggish, where those normal like nice slick combinations didn't really happen. Maybe something of it was personal. We built down the left a lot. And Tommy Yasu wasn't as comfortable as someone like Zinchenko would be. But I also think maybe the team is just a bit jaded um, going from away in Norway up basically to the Arctic Circle, if I'm right, saying that's where Bodo Glimt are, um, all the way to Leeds. Yeah, I think it's a natural sort of thing. So maybe I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to be too worried about it, but we did kind of just look a little bit off the pace. And I think that's that's where their press kind of caught us. A plus on your geography test, Bodeglimt are indeed in the <laughs> Arctic Circle, to my knowledge. Uh, Kieran, uh, what are your thoughts on Leeds' press? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just want to re-emphasise what Alex said. I think it was just a lot of sluggishness. Um, whether you can take that down to the team being jaded, I think I think a point I wanted to make was I wasn't thrilled with the lineup. I wasn't entirely happy with a couple of the choices purely on a how much they've played basis. I don't think Tommy Asu was the correct decision. Um, and, and hindsight makes that easier to say now. Um, but, you know, when he didn't play well, if he had, had a stormer, then probably I maybe wouldn't have said that. But he really, I didn't think he played well. At the, uh, I didn't think he should have played. Um, and he wasn't great. And I think, yeah, we did build up a bit out of the left as well, um, which, which maybe contributes to that. But I think it was just parts of Leeds were getting into the game near the end of the first half. And then come the second half, maybe it was the, the home atmosphere maybe it was because they thought they could grab something from the game maybe it's because we weren't dominating them but it felt like they grew into the game and I think while I'm not a you know a Leeds expert and I don't know how they play all the time it kind of feels like they they built their momentum through the press if that makes sense like their press was this is how we're playing well like the press is working this shows that we are having a good game we can get something out of this no, I agree completely. I think, I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch back the game as I usually do, but I think everything that was good was coming from the press. And then I did get a sense, especially in the second half, that, you know, we kind of shrunk 
they just were pretty much on top of us and yeah they just didn't give us a moment to settle i think i agree also with the with the decision i wasn't crazy about about um tommy asu starting i find it interesting like i wonder how much like what that means for kieran tierney i would have thought he would be the guy that you'd want to start obviously zinchenko if he if he was available um and then i think the other the other point is i don't think we created i can't remember a big chance that we really had in that game yeah and especially at the Saka chance like if Saka hadn't scored that especially on his right foot if it that blazed over it had gone straight at Melier no one would have gone on the replay going like oh he has to bury that everyone probably would have been a consensus that like uh, it's on his right is it a tight angle like it's okay but we need to keep plugging away so the fact we scored from that it kind of re-emphasizes the lucky bit we scored from not the best chance and I can't think of many chances other than that that we should have scored, really. So it, it was very scrappy from our end, at least attacking-wise. Yeah, they pretty much did to us what we've been doing to teams in terms mm. of pinning us in, kind of creating like that pressure where we struggled to build out. And then they had lots of nice moments where they were just sending long balls in, taking shots from sort of the side parts of the box. So, so yeah, it wasn't a great match for us. But <laughs> no. <laughs> right, let's uh, finish off this particular bit with uh, a, a general point. Were Leeds good or were we bad? I have a feeling you. I know what the answer is, but like we talked a lot about how we struggled to deal with Leeds press. Was that because they pressed well or did we play badly through it? Were we bad or were they good? I think, at least from my point of view, look, we, we played bad. But again, it's, it's the question of, like, you're asking, is it, did we play bad because we played bad or did we play bad because of Leeds? And I almost want to say it's because of Leeds. I think we just, we just, like, let them play their game. We, we gave them a sniff on, on their press and they just took advantage of it. Like I said, it's in the same way that, like, in a, in a city side, if you show that your fullbacks aren't going to do well and they can just create cutback after cutback, or if you can give De Bruyne a space, they're going to keep using that and bury you. And it's almost like with Leeds, if you show them that they can press you, then they're going to do that all game. And as soon as they do, they build up confidence and they can just, if they wanted to, they could press uh, press us at the game if it wasn't for, for fatigue and, and the fact that we just have a lot of talent in our squad. Um, so yeah, look, we definitely played under par, but I kind of, I don't want to downplay how Leeds played. They could have easily got something out of that game. And I almost want to say, at least from my point of view, we played bad because of Leeds. And we, I can just put my hands up and say Leeds were the better team. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think it kind of comes down to it like we played bad because of them. <laughs> they made us play bad. I think maybe the, I think the jaded thing comes into it, right? So maybe if we weren't playing a team that kind of was so high intensity, we would have been able to grow into the game and have a bit more control. Interestingly, I think we were bet, bet, not better than them, but we were much better in the first half than we were in the second half. Yeah. And... I think part of the reason why we got worse is guys like Saliba kind of, he made a couple of mistakes in the second half that kind of came to the point with, I think it's harsh, but that, that penalty on him, not the penalty itself, just, you know, sometimes your arm touches the ball. But I think after that, he played a lot less confidently than he has been. And that kind of allowed leads to come onto us. So I think basically... If we had to break the games up, I also think Odegaard kind of disappeared in the second half where he was by far our best player in the first half. So a lot of it was like individuals sort of falling off in the second half. Um, but I think you can also say that was because of Leeds. So yeah, I'm pretty much happy just to say that this was a game where we didn't deserve to win. But at the same time, you know, it's more about like looking forward. Is that going to happen again? I'm not so sure because we've been playing so well and so consistently this is the first time that I've watched this the season and kind of felt like this is how this is the team that I've occasionally watched over the last two years where where we fall back in on ourselves and we get to the end and it's like thank God it's over rather than being like oh we could have scored another goal at the end there so see so yeah, I'm looking forward I'm not too worried yet at all I think it is a jaded thing and I think sometimes good teams get outplayed yeah I don't think I don't think any team plays well for 38 games a season and it's also one of those where quite simply if Leeds had scored first, or if Leeds had scored early, yeah, we probably would have lost the game. If they had scored 30 minutes in, and at halftime we're 1-0 we're down, we do not win that game. It's as simple as we got very lucky that we scored a, a lucky, a quote, lucky chance, or a, a slim chance of a goal, and we just held on. Whether we held on through just Ramsdale's heroics, 
a bit of luck, a bit of just throw everything you can at defence. It's no team wins 38 games a season. No team plays well for 38 games a season. So you have to look at this in two months' time and goes, that's the kind of game that separates you from finishing 5th to 4th or 3rd to 2nd or, I don't want to say it, but 2nd to 3rd. But no, we're not, <laughs> we're not going to win the league, but it's that kind of game where those three points are massive at the end of the season. Yeah, I think one thing I'm, I'll just say, because obviously this has been a topic over the last thing, is I think this was Gabriel's best game of the season. And I think he was really, mm. really good. Which um, is wild to say when you consider all the controversy around the, around yeah, exactly. the second. Yeah, yeah, I mean, should he have got a red card? We'll leave that for for other people to decide. But I think he was really good for basically the whole game and in possession as well. Like, like even in the second half, I think he he was like weirdly over four backline players. He was the guy best carrying forwards. Maybe Agreed. maybe Ben White at times, but, but yeah. So props props to him because obviously he's he's been kind of the weak points alongside you know Ramsdale's gamely like whammers moment. He's been the weak point in our backline this season. But yeah, weirdly when we were under the cuff, he he was the guy who yeah defended the best. Agreed. In summary, uh, we were bad. Leeds were pretty good. The refs were mid. That's the game. That's good. That's that's a nice analogy. Let's move on quickly then to the Europa League because uh, as mentioned as kind of a running joke by me in the last game, apologising to Bodo Glimt, we haven't done much Europa League analysis at all really uh, on the pods because the Premier League games have on the whole been more interesting. But by all outward appearances... We are smashing our Europa League group out the park. Alex, would you say that's a fair assessment of how we've been playing? Yeah, from a results perspective, I think we've definitely had a good time. I mean, we've scored, what, five goals, six goals, um, and we've got three wins. I think it's been relatively comfortable in that sense. In terms of the actual performances themselves, I would say that they've been a step down from what we've been seeing um, in the Premier League before the Leeds game at least. Uh but having said that I also looked at the XGs and they've been they've been pretty comfortable by the last game where we where we had a 0.69 versus their 0.53. Um but even then I mean in the Zurich game I, I kind of remember it as a game of like moments. They they had a penalty early on um and we kind of came into the game basically we we had some big moments from Inkechia and and Marquinhos. It was pretty healthy in the end. Uh, Bodo Glimp game, I think we kind of mauled them in the first half. And then in the second half, they really took it to us. This is the first Bodo Glimp game when we played at home. So yeah, I think it's been comfortable and we've kind of kept teams at arm's length, but it hasn't been it hasn't been the football, like the champagne football we've been seeing in the league. Kieran, do you agree? Yeah, look, I do. And I think um, I, I think it comes down to just maybe just not kicking off from like second gear. And it's kind of one of those where maybe it's taking teams for granted or maybe it's just because of, of the players playing. You know, as much as I love Nketia and I, as much as I think that he is a great player, the way he plays is not the same as Azu. So you have to accommodate to that. He's not going to link up play as well as him. He's, he's just not, objectively, he's just not as good at it. And that's fine because he's still a great player to have as a backup. And Marquinhos, for instance, obviously just not as good as Saka. He's still good. And I think he has impressed me since coming in. And it's fine to play them in those games. It's not that they've been uh, bad links. I, I don't want that to come across like that. But I think it's just with the champagne football thing, it's, it isn't our first 11 and, and we shouldn't be playing our first 11 every single game, as I've even pointed out in the league, let alone Europa League. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that first half at Bodo Glimt, I think we really just, we were just incredible. We were really, like, everything was just clicking. We were just getting the goals. Bit of luck on our side. Obviously, just get get the goals rather than, you know, if, if those three shots have been saved, then it would have been a tough second half kind of thing. But you take the luck with the fact that we were very good. And I think for the rest of the group stage, it's, it's just been that we just have a very talented squad at the moment, or at least a, a squad full of confidence. And we never fully kick on. It's not like we're going, let's get six goals. Let's decimate this team. It's very much... Um, it, it's, it's very much let's win this game, let's get a couple goals, let's preserve our energy. So I don't want it to feel like we're playing worse, more so we're not trying as hard, which can be good and bad. 
<laughs> I mean, one thing I think is clear is we are playing a lower level with all respect to Bodo Glimt and Zurich. I don't think any of them are really on the level of the Premier League teams we've been playing. So obviously we don't have, we're not playing soccer or, or every game and we're not playing, you know, Saliba every game, whatever, right? But we're still bringing in pretty good players and the squad is quite small as good as it is. I mean, Jacques has played two of the three games. Gabriel's played two of the three games. Saliba played the other. Like, we don't have a full sort of second squad that we're bringing on. So I, th- I would say some parts of it is at least fatigue to an extent that we've, we've been needing to manage. And I think even just from a coaching perspective, like, we don't really plan for these games. I think we kind of just back the quality to to come on. I think Arteta is always looking to the next Premier League game to make those small switches. And, you know, it's the sort of thing like where we'll play Tomiyasu wherever if we need to just and back that the quality will will show through. Um, and, yeah, I think we're probably going to do that again, play as strong a team as possible with with some, like, level of rotation to keep people fresh against PSV. Um, but I expect us even the second game, if we win the first one, that hopefully we'll see, we'll see some academy guys come through because once you've got 12 points, you're pretty safe in that run-in. So I think it it has been, I agree, like just kind of getting it over the line rather than trying to smash teams and really focus on the league because um, on the Europa League, because obviously the league itself, Premier League, is is the priority right now. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit as you guys have been talking, but like the first two games, we were comfortably better than the opposition. The first game, of course, we only won 2-1, but we managed to put up 2.33 XG away at Zurich. And then when Bodo Glimt visited the Emirates, uh, we absolutely paddled them. 3.4 XG, uh, very good value for our three-goal home win there. Uh, but it was a different story when we went to the Arctic Circle this past week. Uh, we only put up 0.69 uh, XG, which is, while is a nice enough number, it's not... not the right level that we should be aiming at, especially when last time we played Bodo Glimt, we put up three XG. Uh, so do you think, why, why do you think we were so much worse against Bodo Glimt in this most recent game than we were at home? Um, I mean, it's, it's probably not helpful for a podcast to say entirely, I don't know, but it, we just didn't play well. Like I, I can give you kind of an analytical side as to, as to why we played well, but it was just obvious watching. We just weren't there again. Maybe it was the second gear thing and maybe it was just they kicked on and they were like, they're there for the taking. I saw a lot of people suggest that the our players weren't very used to the artificial pitch, shall we say. Yeah, I think it plays into it. I think also Bodo Glimt are a really good team and they've mm-hmm. they've regularly played as greater than the sum of their parts. I used to watch them a couple of years back. Um, so I think it's fair. And I think we saw that in the second half of the first game as well, where they really did... Uh, the second half of the first game, yes. They really did take it to us. So, see, I think it's just one of those things. I don't think there needs to be some, like, tactical or some, like, very key thing. It's just we didn't play well. We didn't get out of that gear. Um, and we kind of had enough. I mean, we scored relatively early, right? So we had enough to kind of hold them at arm's length. They got they put up 0.53 themselves in terms of X3. So we weren't particularly threatened. Um so I think yeah, we just held them at arm's length and kind of got the job done. Yeah, I think the I think the XG the XG part on that um I, I I'm not super crazy into analytics. I I do I do like it a fair bit. I think I don't um I don't particularly like looking at XG for a singular game and kind of taking it on its own. Um, which 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 I I get you guys aren't doing. I get not a lot of people do now, but um it's like was that point point five three I think you said for them from watching the game it felt like there should have been higher not not crazy higher um and correct me if I'm wrong I think it was Pellegrino if that's if that's who it is the Bodo Glimt who who did have one or two chances that um maybe he snatched it that maybe the actual shots themselves were low xg but they were they were chances that probably should have been taken better and he probably should have scored from them and it's one of those where the xg might have just been based from simply his decision to shoot there rather than go in a bit more and make the pass. It was more decision-based than the actual shot-based in the sense that um, I think some of the shots that he had, maybe they were low XG shots, but I think, again, had he just made a pass, had he made a dribble, had he cut in a bit more or made that run, it, they would have been higher XG shots, which he st- should have scored. So, it, again, it was it was decision-based rather than shot-based, which is why I don't think the stats fully correlate in, in that single game. 
um, because I think they probably did deserve to get something out of it, whether it was just dominating more in the stats or whether it was getting an actual result. Um, you know, and then and then on top of that, I think we were just a bit sluggish. And I think it, Arteta said, I think he maybe he's only seen four or five games of Bodo Glimp. I think he admitted he hasn't watched too much of them, which I guess leads into your point, Alex, about how we um kind of, we just go in and judge it on the quality rather than going against a team, which maybe seems a bit um not, not great for a manager to say he's watched four or five games, but obviously yeah, he does have a team to watch that as well. And you look at Bodo Glimp and I imagine they might have put a bit more look into how we play and, and how they could exploit us, at least in the Europa League, with the players that we had. So I don't think there's too much to read into it. It's a game that we should have won before the game. It's a game that we didn't play well in during it, but it's a game we've got a result out of. And in three months' time, when we, I hope, you know, Touchwood now get to the knockout stages um, or go further in them, it's not a game that we're going to have to worry about res- uh, performance-wise. Arteta hasn't watched much, but I glimpsed. OMG, he's just like me. <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely did take your point on on the X, on the one off XG stuff, and yeah, I think also the other point that you were making it's that I think we will judge Arteta's and Arsenal's sort of performances when it gets to sort of a crutch game, like even even from the from the first knockout rounds rather than one of the six group games where we already had two wins. Before the Europa League group stage started, we spoke about some players that we wanted to see get some minutes in the Europa League. Uh, and through Arteta's policy of some rotation, not lots of rotation, we have seen quite a few of those players get some quite significant minutes. Uh, possibly the headline man in that respect is Marquinhos, who has made... I, I don't think he's made a Premier League appearance yet, am I right to say that? He, he has, he has. Oh, yeah, he's, he's come off the bench, but he has uh, got two starts under his belt in the Europa League, uh, and he was good value for those starts. Uh, obviously, grabbing a goal on debut against Zurich, uh, and then did well against Bodeglimt as well. Uh, Alec, what, what, do we, what do we make of him so far? Uh, so, I, I think I've said before, I watched him a bit in the in the um, under-21s, and he's kind of looked like the same kind of level. Um, he's an interesting player. He's not exactly what I was expecting when we signed him, because I, I heard that he was this, like, dribbling phenomenon with, like, low low output. Um, he's kind of the opposite of that. He reminds me a little bit of, of Martinelli in a way, in that kind of, like, Brazilian high-intensity, um, you know, a bit scrappy in how, in terms of how he plays. So, so he's not exactly what I expected. I'm, I don't know how high I am on him yet. I know people were really excited by his, you know, his debut he scored and he got an assist. And I will say that that assist he got was really, really quite nice. Um, so I'm not, I'm not yet convinced. Like I haven't, I haven't got that feeling like this guy's a star. Like I kind of have had with like when Martinelli kind of came onto the scene. But yeah, he's exciting, um, and he definitely kind of fits the sort of thing that that Arteta is looking for in terms of like younger players. Another thing that does really impress me is he's really on it defensively. Um, maybe not always in terms of decision making, like he can press a bit too hard and then he lets guys go past him. But but he's very diligent to knowing, you know, in, in tracking his man and and getting tight and putting in effort. So so yeah, he definitely fits the type of player that Arteta wants in those wide areas. I mean, I actually fully agree with Alex on the defensive part there. I think when you have a kind of a young winger coming in that not many people know about, um, you look at wingers, especially you look at the pace, you look at the acceleration, you look at, uh, you know, close quarter dribbling, you look at how hungry they are, which I think Martinelli had a lot of when he came in. I think that's what everyone loved, the work rate, the kind of ah, just how he wanted to win every single ball. People talk about that with young winners. They don't talk about the defensive side. And I think he has actually been quite impressive. He's willing to track back. He's willing to the closest man and things like that, which just makes him an all-rounded, better player. And I think rather than just ability, it also just shows like the maturity and like just, you know, things that really don't get talk- spoken about with wingers where he's just willing to help out in every aspect of the game, which just helps the team altogether. If you have three attacking players that do no defensive output, it gets picked up on really quickly. Um, how I think of him as a player, it's really early to tell. I won't pretend I've watched any of him other than the Europa League games and the, and the Premier League game he's played in. Um, but he he has been good, and I, I don't think there's much more I can say other than that. I think he will continue to get better. I couldn't give you a ceiling right now. I don't look at him and think he's going to set the world alight. But you know, it's four games I've watched of him. Pretty much, he could easily kick on and do that. He could also easily 
and fingers crossed he doesn't, you know, go the other way. It's it's super early to tell on anything, but all you can do is look at him and go, I've been impressed with how he's played so far and, and long may it continue. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think at the end of the day, it's also a punt. Like he didn't come to the huge fanfare. I think he's been really good value. W- whatever we're going to sell him for is at a good profit from the, I think, 3 million that we kind of paid out of, out of courtesy to his former club. Um, one thing I would say is maybe it's just that technical like consistency sometimes his touches can be kind of I wouldn't say like you can't trap a ball but he, he takes the touch like a bit negatively and then he kind of struggles to move into the next into the next thing whereas where someone like Saka is very good at that first touch setting him to the direction he wants to go I think Emil Smith-Rowe is actually another player who's very good at that so it's those sort of things that aren't necessarily they're technical faults but they're not like technical deficiencies like you wouldn't say that he's technically bad he just needs to kind of work on the technique of how he receives rather than you know struggling with with the weight of a pass and stuff like that so so yeah there's definitely upside to kind of work with and yeah i'll i'm I'm also probably shouldn't say what his ceiling is but yeah i feel like he's not quite that martinelli sort of feeling that i get with him but he's yeah he's better than i was expecting of course marquinhos is the main the, the poster boy for Mikel Arteta bringing in new players in the Europa League. Uh, but another guy who in actually has got more Europa League starts than Marquinhos is the man between the sticks, Mr. Matt Turner. Uh, and he is... The general consensus that I have gotten over his three Europa League appearances is he was kind of mid, and then kind of mid, and then pretty good. Uh, so I will plug into you two and let you tell me whether or not that was true or not. Yeah, I think that's a relatively accurate description of how he's played i think um i think the big issue with him that people talk about is his distribution and it's kind of one of those where you go like we're very big on distribution which is why ramsdale came in over leno to start um and turner's distribution has not been amazing i wouldn't say it's been like horrendous but it's definitely a. if i was to kind of do a profile on it i'd say it's, a, it's something that needs to be worked on especially for an arsenal or arteta side um and the first two games, I didn't think much of him. He he was fine. He didn't have much to do. But again, he was just a bit a bit quiet. That last, you know, the third game that you said, he was actually very good. He he just whether it was just the one game, whether it was what he showed what he could do, I just was impressed with him. Um, again, like I said, with Marquinhos, I don't want to read too much into it yet because something could happen like we did with Runnison, and he could just have a, a couple of really bad games. We don't know his level yet, really. I think what would just be interesting to see is how much Arteta trusts him in the late stages. I think that's really, managers change it up. Sometimes they will back that second keeper to the hill and they will play every single cup competition no matter what, all the way to the final. And, you know, some change it up. Once they get to the semis and the final, they go, okay, it's serious now. We're going to give it back to Ramsdale and really win this. So it'll be interesting to see what we do then. And I think it might just depend on how he does in probably the round of 32 and 16. I think that's a really interesting point that I hadn't actually thought through. Um, I'm going to kind of pick on on two different points you've made because, you know, when we do get to those later stages of the competition, like I'll be very interested to see, like let's say even quarters and stuff, I'll be very interested to see if we keep playing him because like you pointed out, his distribution is really not that good and it's very key to how we play in the Premier League. And I assume when we get to the round of eight and stuff, we'll start having depending on, on what's happening with the league in the league of course we'll start having like full strength sides playing at least for certain games depending on the opposition like if we play man united for example um so yeah it'll be interesting because i think that that'll that is something that <laughs> that kind of fundamentally changes how we're going to be able to play and beat the press so so yeah it's, it's an interesting thing and it also makes me a bit confused still why we bought him i understand it from a person point of view like he fits very much the type of person like arteta wants and i think that's a very key thing that informs arteta in terms of how his recruitment goes like he's spoken about even the other goalkeeper ramsdale that we got the season before that it was just a phone call of speaking to ramsdale that that convinced him so so i understand from that perspective but less so if if this is so important how we're playing why we bought a goalkeeper like that and whether that'll be something that we compromise on when we get to the latter part of cup competitions. Because Runison was bad? 
Runison was shit. I think there was a body of work <laughs> that that told us that Runison was bad. The the thing with Runison is it just never made sense. I mean, it wasn't like with Edward Mendy for, for Chelsea, where you know he kind of he wasn't a known keeper. Or, I'm sure he was known to a lot of people. I will admit that I hadn't heard too much about him. I'm sure maybe um, Alex, you might have heard more about him as, as watching a bit more league than me. I mean, I mean, he was he was well rated, but he was nothing like when he went to Chelsea. I did not think he was that good. I thought he was good. I did not think he was suddenly like one of the best keepers in the world. So, so yeah, he was a bit unearthed. And he's not had the best twelve months last last six months of last year and, and the start of this year. He's not been not been overly great. Dropped for Kepa these days, of course. Yeah, I mean, he came out of nowhere and and was the best goalkeeper in the world for a few months at one point. I'd open that, or at least on form, he was the best goalkeeper in the world for for a few months. Um, and then with Ranison, it's just everyone was like, guys, you know, people who watch Lee Gunn the stats nerds, the the people who just watched a few clips that people put on compilations, who are Arsenal fans, which is probably what I did. Nobody said, guys, he could be good. Everybody knew he was going to be bad. It just <laughs> never made any sense. It's like, least... it's like one of those, like, six-armed handshake memes. Yeah. Like, everyone agrees, Runarsson, dog shit. <laughs> it was one of those one times in football where Everybody was in unison just going, this makes no sense. It kills me because no one was even angry at Rosenstein. It was He was that bad that people were actually <laughs> yeah. upset at Arteta. And Arteta yeah. for playing in versus City, people were like, that's not fair. That's he, not his right. agent played a fucking blinder. <laughs> we know that much, for sure. Hope, hope that man yeah. got his pay packet. I mean, I think, I think that the thing was, it was just our goalkeeping coach yeah. chose him. And that, yeah, that worries him, me greatly. That worries me greatly. <laughs> But, Maybe he but saw yeah. it as a project player, like 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 when you take pitch. We're gonna make this guy a professional yeah. footballer. That's what he was saying. <laughs> no project could save that man. Oh dear, uh, Alex Renarsson and the off chance that you're one of the people that listens to this podcast. We are dreadfully sorry. Why are you listening to us? I'm sure um, you're an amazing guy. Yeah, amazing guy, and you're definitely a much better goalkeeper than any of us. But one hundred percent. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Uh, we've got PSV coming up next, who Alex have described like a 2000s indie band as Cody Gakpo and the Boys. Um, <laughs> so they have also done pretty well out of this Europa League group so far. Seven points from their games. They are clearly, at least results suggest so far, the side that are going to present the biggest challenge to us. Uh, Cody Gakpo and the boys, but Cody Gakpo in particular is a player who's been gathering a lot of traction in uh, analytics spheres in the football media uh, for becoming quite good recently. Um, he was... If you ask people who pay attention to the Eredivisie, they'll tell you that he became quite good last season. Uh, people who don't pay as much attention to the Eredivisie will tell you that he became quite good this season, once Manchester United started paying attention to him. Uh, but regardless, the point stands that he is a good football player, uh, and all evidence points to the boys also being good football players. Uh, so, Alex, how do you how do you think we're going to approach this one? So I've not watched any PSV. I actually really do want to watch them because Xavi Simons is finally, or Simmons is finally, you know, playing football at senior level. And he's actually literally someone I've stand just because people was, said he wasn't real. And now he is real. So they can hold I that. I don't think he is. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's still up for debate. Once he sits at, well, once he sets foot on, on the pitch versus us. Then, it, then we can accept it. But in preparation for this, I, I just quickly shot uh, Jose Perez, a friend of mine, and I guess by extension, friend of the pod, um, just a message about how they've been. Uh, he's at JC Perez on Twitter. Really, really smart tactical guy who follows both Real Madrid and PSV. He lives in Eindhoven. And he quite encouragingly said that despite them being on seven points, so pretty doing well in the group so far, they're actually not that good every whenever they come up against a team that is good. So, and apparently Fundel Story, their new coach, hasn't really got them playing in any sort of interesting way and sort of struggles against better teams. There's no real clear like structure in the build-up. The press is a bit all over the place in terms of organization. They're likely to kind of go on a mid-block, set up a mid-block versus us, and apparently it's not particularly good. So we should, in terms of quality, be able to hurt them. Obviously, Gakpo, as you as you've been saying, is having a great season. 
think he's kind of overperforming his underlings. I think I haven't I haven't been following, but but that's that's what I've heard. And then Shabby Simons is obviously also doing very very well. So I think that obviously they have players who can hurt us. But yeah, it sounds like we should be confident against them. I think that they basically have struggled whenever they've come up a good against a good team in the Eredivisie. Um, and yeah, while they're the best team that we will play in the group, probably, yeah, it should be good. We should be fine as long as we just don't play like shit. Yeah, look, I, I won't pretend I've watched PSV. I haven't. Um, I know for a fact that Gakpo has been sensational this year. And Alex was saying he's probably overperformed his XG or at least his underlying stats. I would be very, very shocked if he's underperforming them with how many goals and assists he's got this year. They must be creating a lot of chances <laughs> if, he's, if he's underperforming. Um, I've seen bits of Gakpo. I know that he is good. I know he's great. Um, I kind of trust people who've watched him more to kind of reaffirm that. Um, and, and I kind of trust everything that, that you said that Preza said. Um, I think from an Arsenal point of view, I think we just go into it how we played the other games. We still need to do the rotation because I think we're still at a point before the World Cup where the league just takes priority with four points at the top at the moment. I think some Arsenal fans might be looking at us winning the league. I'm not looking at it like that, but it's still important to just win as many games as we can and be in a comfortable position before the World Cup because the World Cup can just change a lot of things. We don't know how it's going to go at the end of it. Um, so so I think it's really important just to, to do that rotation, keep a few key players. Still, I think Shaq is fine to play. I think he's just an absolute machine in terms of being able to play every single game. But I think someone like Marquinhos has to play in Ketia, Turner, bring Holding in, bring Lukonga in, bring those kind of players that, that need minutes themselves, can rotate, and and we just play our own game. I think um, if they don't play too well against against good teams, then but good for us because I think we're a, we're a pretty good team right now, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, so I'm not too worried, but they are also um, the toughest game we should play, at least from from history and from what I've heard of them this season. It's nice to say we're a good team. We yeah. haven't really it's been a while. That. Um, I think I think Arteta's probably not going to play too much of a rotated team, at least for this game. And then depending on, on how we... If we win, I think we could see a lot of rotation for the last two games. But I, just the, the the person Arteta is, I don't really anticipate. I think we'll see at least one of, Ma- one of Martinelli and... One of Martinelli or Saka, rather than both Reese Nelson and Marquinhos playing. I think we'll... Uh, We'll see Eddie. We'll probably, hopefully, see Xhaka because I think Odegaard could probably do with a rest. Um, also, you know, the more injury prone guys, I'm more always inclined to rest. When we look at this PSV game in the context of the last two games we played, and the fact one of the things that there's been murmurs of is that there's hints that we might be starting to get a little tired or leggy. Is there? Any concern that that's going to have an influence on this PSG game? Like, how concerned are you that we're just we're not going to be able to play up to the standards of earlier in the season? I mean, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, and I, I think we could see it. Um, we could see it. Basically, we don't have a very big squad. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of quality, but yeah, we could absolutely see it. And I think that's something we just have to ride out. There's no there's no smart way of sort of getting around that i think the smart way is is once we nail these next three points hopefully then we have two games where we can kind of play guys like matt smith from the academy um yeah matt smith isn't real fa cup winner matt smith. <laughs> i've seen him in real life he's definitely real <laughs> oh. unlike shabby simons i don't know if he's ever exactly. gonna get a game though <laughs> we we hold out hope <laughs> You've been saying we, he should start since literally before the Europa League group. And yeah, I, like what you want made the I bench just, once. Look, I just want him to leave Arsenal at the end of the season with both an FA Cup and a, and an appearance, a, a professional appearance. That would be good. <laughs> just um, one. I have faith in him. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I have zero faith in him. Before we move on from the Europa League and continue to ignore it for another couple months, uh, let's quickly touch on the thing that we all secretly really want to talk about. Can we win the thing, Kira? I think at this moment in time, we'd be very disappointed not to win it because I think we are objectively one of the best teams in the world, at least on form. I'm not saying on ability and stuff before people kick off about that. Just on form, we're currently one of the best teams in the world. We are playing very well. Things can change in the next month or two. We could just start playing awfully. But I would be confident to win against most teams. At absolute worst case, we should be getting the semi-final. And I think we 
we should be getting to the final and then it's tough on a final it's just one game doesn't matter who you play anyone can beat you you can beat anyone but once you get to a final again if you can beat anyone or anyone can beat you you just go into 90 minutes and hope you win it so i'm going in anticipating that we get far and hoping for a win yeah i think i think we should go far we should aim to go far it obviously also depends who we come up against there are some good teams who could drop down atleti are potentially gonna fall down and the flashbacks <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i was having yeah i feel like um and then there's also Barso into one of them is going to drop down milan looks like it's dropping down so there are some good teams i do feel confident against a number of them Barca, inter and milan but i guess the, the other thing it kind of links to is this is the first time in a while we're actually seeing arteta in sort of a big european game actually pretty much ever depending on how far we make it and i'll be interested to see how he kind of sets up because we've seen him in the league but i think it is true that those sort of one-off changes and stuff you get in cup competitions, there's a different aspect to it. So so it also depends on that. But yeah, as a team, we're pretty good. We should hope to go far. I don't care. That's a lie. I do. <laughs> That's uh, a lie. I, I, I would like it if we won, but I'm not... If we didn't win the Europa League, I'm not going to be like, God damn it, we really should have won the Europa League, especially if we... Touch wood. If we look like we're going to get top four, as it currently looks like we are. Like, yeah. I, I, I think the lack of depth in our squads in terms of yeah. like the amount of rotation that we're doing, especially in a season such as this one where you've got a World Cup slap bang in the middle of it, um, we're going to probably really struggle down the stretch to put out a competitive team twice in a week, every week. Uh, and so I really don't think it would be the end of the world if we went out of the Europa League relatively early and then could be stronger in the league. But obviously, ideally, we'd win all of the things and no one would get injured and nothing bad would ever happen to Arsenal Football Club. I just don't know how much I faith they have in that. <laughs> Let's finish off the pod with a look at some of the standout players from the season so far because we're 10 Premier League games in we're halfway through our Europa League group and some star players some starlets are starting to emerge from the Arsenal 11 uh, in particular Bukayo Saka who uh, was the difference maker on the weekend he was the difference maker in the glimped game in the last Europa League game uh, and now he's got Eight goal contributions in his last seven games. Alex, has he made the leap? Yeah, I think it's an interesting discussion point for sure. Um, when, when we kind of started the season, he definitely looked a bit leggy more than anything. But at the same time, I think his form was very much exaggerated. Like, I think he was still playing well. He just kind of lacked that sharpness. Um, when we had that break, um, shout out to the Queen. He's looked really good since coming back. He's looked sharp, but I don't, I don't think there's been that much of a difference in performance. But at the same time, I think, you know, his, his output is maybe a little bit flattering at the moment because he's only put out 1.3, um, XA. And I think his assists have been, they've been good deliveries and stuff, but I think we've, we've also scored off some of the low, like those lower chances. He's, he's got a penalty in there. Um, he's pretty much in line with his XG. So I think he's had a good start to the season. Maybe. I think Martinelli's had a better start despite there's been less he's had less output at this point now. Um but yeah, I think he's had a good performance. I uh, I think he's had a good start to the season. Uh whether he's taking the leap, there's still some things, right? I, I know we were speaking about the leap last week. But for me that the, there will be this clicking moment with Saka and for me it's just that when he has that right decision making, when he nails that, because that's maybe my main thing with him right now, is he's a really intelligent player. I think that's clear for everyone to see, but he does sometimes hold on to the ball too long and stuff. And I think basically that's what's holding back his creativity in terms of underlying numbers, because obviously four assists is a nice start to the season. Um, but once he kind of hits that, I think it will. we will see that leap that, that everyone speaks about um, that we've seen from Martinelli, arguably. Kieran, are there any Arsenal players who you think have made the leap TM this season? There's been a couple. So <laughs> Saliva's the Saliva's the first one I'm going to talk about, and it's I won't talk too much on him purely because um, I probably will end up speaking more on him now. But I didn't watch a lot of him in France. I watched a few games a season, but not across the season. He has been excellent. 
he has been for me top three players for us I would argue he's been besides that Leeds game where he was a little bit shaky I think he's been excellent he was really good against Liverpool he was excellent against Bournemouth I remember a couple of games obviously helped that he scored but he's been excellent in a couple of games this season um, and on you know, based on this season struggle to think of a better centre back in the league really um, he's definitely in the top few he's been, he's been really really good um, still early doors Things can change, but he has been excellent. So I'd say he's made the leap, but it's hard for me to judge as someone who didn't watch him last season. But even people who watch Lee Gunn have said that he's been excellent. The other person who's made the leap is, um, for me, Martinelli has been really, really good this year. There's There's been a little joke in our circle that I had a, quote, agenda against Martinelli, purely because I wasn't as big on him uh, last season as other Arsenal fans were. I just... He, he was good. I could see what he was trying to do. But little things like decision-making, ha- having his head down when he was running, um, you know, those tiny little things, I just thought he wasn't kicking on as fast as people were making him out to be. He was just a bit slower in progression. I don't know what's happened. Maybe I have just seen the light, but he has been really good this year, and I'm happy to admit that. I don't want to have an issue with him. He has been excellent, and I'm glad he is. He's seen your tweets and decided yeah, that's that he's going to kick my, on just to spite tweets. you. He has, he has been excellent. I'm glad we could be your confessional. Um, I was actually thinking, because this actually came up last week where we spoke with John, and I, he, he brought up a nice point that I like when speaking about like when a player's improved, like what do we actually think they've improved in? And that kind of got me thinking at the time, I kind of thought, like, actually, I'm not that sure what he's improved on since last season. I do, I do think one of the main things has basically just been tactically how we've used him. I think he was a pretty good player last season, but he's much better. I've noticed after thinking about it is that he's much better in terms of when he receives wide, actually making those inroads and not, you know, I'm talking about wide and like next to the box, generally zone 16, if I have to be a bit wanky about it, <laughs> um, receiving in those areas, being able to, to play. And I think obviously that does come in with being with the type of rotations we have, but, but that's one thing that's just led to a massive change because he's a lot less predictable now in terms of beforehand, if you could kind of just funnel him down into that like left side, then there wasn't much he could do. But now he's using skills that we could see last season, like that stop-start acceleration was something that was very clear that was introduced to his game last season. And he could use that last season, but now he's using it in terms of ways of actually being able to cut inside and, and be dangerous coming in. So... So I think those are just the small sort of things that we've seen Martinelli make the leap. I don't think Saka's a fundamentally different player from what we were seeing last season. He's just a really good player playing in a better team. And I think he's he's better suited to that sort of switch option than Martinelli was on the left last season, Saka now on the right. Um, right now, the numbers are a little bit flattering to him for the start that he's had. I still think he's been good. But I think when he get, kind of just gets that like, decision of when to pass rather than when to shoot or when to pass earlier rather than trying to hold it on I think we'll kind of see the same sort of leap shall we say I think I think to touch on that on the Martinelli thing with the zone 16 and cutting in kind of thing I think it really helps to have first of all um Gabriel Jesus who can just come back and make that that link up play allowing Saka to move onwards and Jesus dropping down and forcing the defender to follow him and then not only Jesus I think Xhaka as well and the way he's played this season pushing into kind of that eight role into that that kind of advanced eight, I think really helps with, again, um, just pressing Arsenal players into that that left half space and allowing Martinelli to do something. Not only as a like a passing combination, but also someone who can kind of pin the opposition players and kind of keep them off Martinelli Force given that space. Yep, yeah, definitely. Kieran, you very helpfully said while you were talking about Saliba that you thought he was in your top three, your personal top three of Arsenal players yeah. this season. Uh, I'm going to add two to your list and ask for a top five. Go on, give give us the hot takes. In okay, order. So top, top five is uh, in order. Top five is tough, because I have six in my head that I want to say, and I have to leave one out. I was tempted to leave Martinelli out, but I won't, because I think he does merit being in the top five. So I'm going to say, I think... Saliba has been our best player this season so far for me. I think he's just based on ability and also kind of just the, the atmosphere he's brought in with, with what was going on in summer and whether he was going to leave to have the fans love him and everything. I think he's just has to be number one for me so far. Number two, I'm going to say Granit Xhaka. Maybe I'm being biased there because I love him so much, but I think he's been so excellent this year. 
Um, number three, I'm going to say Gabriel Jesus. I think um, just the way he plays just makes it so fluid for us. And I don't think what w- he won't he won't score thirty goals for us. But I don't think there's many strikers I would take over him right now purely because of the way we play. Four, I'm going to say Saka. There's not much for me to talk about. He's our little star boy. He's unbelievable. Five, I am going to say Martinelli. Um, I've already touched on why I think he's great this season. But I will give an honourable mention to Ben White, who I think has just been very, very solid all season. And if I could have six, it would be him. I think he is Mr. 7 out of 10 this year at right back. And he's just been excellent there. He really has. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I have different lists in terms of who we, who I think our five best players are and who I think our five best players this season are. I think I generally have the same sort of list for you in terms of players. I think Gabi Jesus has been our best player this season. Maybe that's okay. just new, new sort of player, but like he's also, yeah, he's just been elite in everything he does. I think the last couple of games he's maybe stepped off a little bit, but just like the first games he came in with, he was incredible. He was doing everything i'm genuinely i'm stunned by him every game i think ozil's the last time we've had a player like that where genuinely what he can do on the ball just throws me um i think i agree Xhaka. i would say Xhaka and saliba have them tied as probably our joint second best players this season um also i'm just naturally a bit harsh on saliba because i've watched a lot of him but he but what you were saying earlier about you think he's taken the leap there is one area where i think he what we're seeing from him now, I've not seen before, and that's that's in terms of how penetrative he is with his passing. We've not, I've not seen that from him before. He's always been very tight, and he has a really nice disguise pass. He's always had that, but always, I remember because of like the numbers and like the f breath and everything, people were speaking about how progressive he was last season, and I was saying no, it's because he pretty much touches the ball most of the time. He does small progressions. He's really added like a nice sort of these mid range slide rock, slide pass rule passes you know, through through the defense. And when you have that alongside his ability to kind of carry through, especially resist pressure, he, he's just a game changer. I, th- I think he still needs to add more to his range passing. He doesn't really have that yet. But yeah, I, I definitely have seen that improvement from him. Um, then I would say Martinelli's been our fourth best player this season. I think he's he's been he's been great. I, I think there's not much more. We, we've said a lot about him already. And then I actually have... Um, I have Ben White fifth. Yeah. So I think Saka Su- just misses out. I think maybe the, the last couple of games, maybe he deserves to be in fifth. But I agree. Ben White's been insane in that sort of right back slot that we've been playing him. Uh, yeah, it's different to the sort of, I think, if I had to say who our best players overall are, I think Odegaard comes in there and Saka as probably two and three. I won't bore people with the whole list, but, but Gabi Jesus is top again. Um, but yeah, I think those are two guys that we can still get more out of. I think they've been good this season. Um, but yeah, probably we can still get more out of. It's all right, Alex. You can do your uh, top 24 players in our squad next week. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Tals. Give us your, your top five. Yeah, we need to. Like, I'm actually, the, I, I was fully intending season. to skimp out on this because nope. no. what, t- two reasons. One <laughs> is that I had nothing prepared. Alex, so Alex was looking down <laughs> at his phone because he had this written down. I have not prepared anything. And for that reason, I know I would be 100% influenced by you guys. You would not be getting a shot from the hip, towels hot take here. You'd be getting my opinion fully influenced by you guys, (laughs) which I know is not what anybody wants. You don't want me to just go, oh yeah, I 100% agree with Alex. That's boring as all hell. And so I don't actually genuinely do not have a top five off the top of my head. Disagree. Um, Tell me that Shaka shouldn't be there. uh, No, I want to tell you that Shaka's the top. Jack is Jack is the best. I'm he's fine my, with that. my little my little <laughs> he's my favorite. That. Um yeah, my my okay, my my top 5 Arsenal players this season uh, is uh Granite Jacker, Reese Nelson, Marquinhos, Matt Turner uh, and Gabriel. Done. Somewhere in Atlanta is freaking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, before we end off, uh, we're going to pay a little visit to my favourite place in the podcast. It's Predictions Corner. Yay! I've decided it's a thing now. Um, <laughs> and this is purely to cause Alex Collings more pain, because not only do we have the Southampton game, which we haven't discussed at all uh, to predict, uh, which is going to be amazing because he's not done any research on it whatsoever. Uh, but we've also got that PSV game in midweek 
to predict because hopefully, 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 I will be editing this podcast and putting it out before that game. So, Alex, the PSV game, what do you think the score is going to be? Are we playing home or away? <laughs> it's the rescheduled game, surely, so it should be first. It should be home yeah, because so it's cancelled because yeah. of the Queen. Okay. Very smart. This is why we have Kieran on the pod. For yeah. this exact moment right here. Um, the facts I'm going to go for two. <laughs> and rescheduling games. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for 2 1 win. For no reason other than it sounds. Yeah, it's at home. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, Kieran, you can go next. Why not? Uh, see, I, I was going to say 2 1, but um, because it just seems like kind of the, the easy to go to score. Not that you, that's why you've done it, Alex. But I'm going to say uh, 2 0 now. I'm going to say that because of Alex having the same result as me, Cody Gakpo is now not going to score. Did you say 2-0-0? 2-0, full stop. 2-0, full stop. Uh, Okie dokie. I think I'm going to go with 3-1 Arsenal. Against PSV, interesting. Yes. Interesting. Uh, next up, the Southampton game. We haven't talked about it at all. Um, I'm going to give some entirely unbased, un, 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 unbased on anything, off the top of my head thoughts. Um, if there's any team in this league which are probably going to play a little bit like Leeds, it's probably Southampton, and therefore I think we might actually struggle a little bit. Um, like obviously, Southampton have been uh, decidedly ungood this season, uh, from what I've heard. Everyone's excited about their cool little guys like Romeo Lavia and Sakumara, uh, but if you look at the table, they've not been good. Th- th- how not good? I don't know. I don't have the table in front of me, but I know it's I not. I feel great. like I've been subtweeted on a pod. That's very unfair <laughs> of you. But... No, no, no. Because <laughs> genuinely, I, like I, I listened to your opinions earlier in the year, Alex, and you were like, "Oh yeah, Southampton are really cool and nice." And I was like, I locked that in my head, and then I started looking and, and realizing that they've actually been absolute rubbish for quite a while. I, st- <laughs> I still think they've been cool and nice, though. They're just not being good. They're never yeah. been good. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so. I have the feeling that they have the capacity to make us look as poor as Leeds make us look made us look. You know, I mean, I haven't I haven't watched the last couple of games, but they were playing differently earlier this season. They would especially in possession. I mean, they're still they're still a high pressing side, but yeah. So, I'll be interested to see. I haven't caught the last couple of games. Um as for my prediction, <sighs> It feels like one we could slip up, but I, I just refuse to to put that on our words. So let's let's say two 0 um, and then I'll let Kieran say two one, so that we both got a two 0 and a two one in there. No, see, I wasn't going to say two 0 Well, I'm not going to say two uh, one either. I kind of the stats probably don't back this up, but I always just kind of have this impending doom when I think of playing Southampton. Uh, it's just kind of our bogey team. And I think it's purely from that 4-0 <laughs> a few years ago at Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, Kuki Martinez screamer from like 35 yards. But yeah. um, What a goal that was. Yeah, I, I'm just replaying goal. it in my head. That, that um, was so good. I think anyway. it's just that one game that, that terrifies me. I still think we'll win because I think they, they have been, they're still trying to click. I think um, Hassan Hurl kind of goes through these periods of just every year you see that they've lost their last 28 games and then suddenly they win 15 in a row and end up third for a bit but I think they're still kind of in that rut at the moment um, so I'm going to say 1-0 I'm going to say that we're, we're going to win we're going to win 1-0 we're going to be comfortable but we're not going to score much I'm going to go with 3-1 Arsenal well there we go one yeah. of them's got to be right going back to that Kuko Martino goal I think the funniest thing about it is the fact that like he, he didn't he only played that game because their other right back was injured right yeah. and then he got a run of games off uh, like, like he was not their starting <laughs> right back and like off the back of that game where he scored that goal he got a run of games and then he quickly realised that actually he's not very good and he's not been seen <laughs> anywhere near <laughs> since <laughs> like, I, I think I, I have a weird memory did he go to Aston Villa for a bit, like 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 he ended up somewhere wild. Coco Martina sounds like the name of a player who's played for Watford, and he's also weirdly old. He's like he's like he's thirty three now. So four years he's ago he was 33. like twenty nine. Yeah, like like he, he he you'd think like player making his debut for Southampton against Arsenal and scoring a worldie. You think he's like twenty one? No, that man was like 20, 27, 28. Yeah, I want to say it was twenty sixteen ish, but it could be a couple of years yeah. old, around then. Yeah, it, it was it was it was 2016, 2015, 16 season. 
He 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 was at Everton. That was it. He didn't go to Villa. He went to Everton in 2017, oh. uh, and made 21 appearances in three years. And now is at well, in 21-22 he was at Go Ahead Eagles. Is he still at Go Ahead Eagles? See, every part I learned something new about Alex Tiles. I've learned that he doesn't really like having Arsenal opinions, but he will remember Kuka Martina scored a goal against us six yeah. years ago. That's about right. <laughs> I can just see that Sky Sports graphic of how we're the only result for them in like 10 games. They'd lost and drawn every other game. It's just 4-0 against Arsenal. Oh, yeah. How many of those graphics do Arsenal have? Too uh, many. Too Jesse Rodriguez against Stoke. Oh, speaking of too many, this podcast has been going on for too many minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran, for joining us. Uh, if people want more of opinions by you, where can they find them? Uh, I don't use that Twitter at all, but you can go ahead and follow that Twitter and I will tweet more random opinions for you, just for you guys, if you follow from this from this podcast. It's at <laughs> xkieran underscore. It's in the description because he spells Kieran weirdly. Uh, <laughs> making that sound like it's a Thanksgiving deal. Um, you can find me at AlexFRCO or FRCO or whatever you want to pronounce it as. I'm still there. Thanks so much for being on the pod as usual. You can find me at Alex Towels, though I don't understand why you do that. My most interesting tweets are generally the ones where I retweet the podcast every week. All the rest of them are just tweets about football manager to my circles and not even they care. Uh, and then, of course, you can follow the pod itself. We have a Twitter. It's at PotshotPod. That's the one that's worth following. Make sure you subscribe on all of your favourite podcast platforms. Yes, all of them. You want to listen to every episode six times. Uh, and do go on Spotify, one of the aforementioned podcast platforms, and look up J.W. Blake. That's our friend James, who made the jazzy music that you're hearing right now and at the start, and maybe in places during... Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back to look back on Southampton and look ahead to, I think, PSV again. Uh, and, you know, more football next week. Bye. <laughs>